For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives within me. Amen. Amen. What a what a wonderful song, brother. Uh, I'm gonna. I keep, you know, telling myself in my mind that Paul's gonna change his mind. God, God's gonna move in his heart, and he'll uh, he'll change his mind. I don't accept your resignation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, he, he's going to have to leave without us accepting his resignation. If, if he leaves, it'll not be because we gave him any sign of encouragement. We love you, brother. I really, uh, seven years, seven years. We've been, you and I have been together for what, about nine, ten? Wow. Ten years. That's not easy to throw away. I feel like you're divorcing me. <laughs> and I want you to know that I'm heartbroken. Amen. I really am. And, uh, I still love you, brother. Yeah? Okay. Well, I love you. And uh, is your wife next door? Yeah? Okay. Well, of course, the doors are always open. You know that. Okay. For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives within me. For I am crucified. I am crucified. That means I spiritually am connected to the cross in such a way that by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ on that cross, I actually died with Him. For I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm not physically dead, but uh, I'm dead to the flesh. There was once upon a time that I was dead to God and alive to sin, but now I'm alive to God and dead to sin. For I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And if God was willing to give up heaven and put on flesh that He might go to the cross and shed His blood and die for my sins, how much more should I be willing to go to the cross or to, as Luke puts it in chapter 9, I believe, to pick up my cross and bear it through this life that I might die to sin for the glory and honor of God. Boy, what a, what a concept. You, you see, that's really, that's actually... What Christianity is, is. It's just dying to self, dying to the flesh, dying to the world, and being born again or being resurrected to newness of life to live a life that brings glory and honor to God. Paul wrote me a letter that says, I no longer feel led by God to serve here anymore. That struck me. Because you see, that is what every one of us are called to do. We are called to follow God. We're not called to follow a denomination. We're not called to follow a pastor. We're not called to follow a congregation. We're, we're called to follow the person of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And I encourage you, I charge you as a brother in Christ, never stop doing that. Wherever you go, know this. That if God is leading you, we are encouraging you to do whatever it is that God says. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
And what I want to talk to you, oh Lord, <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Uh, my, my, it doesn't matter, brother. God is on His throne. Amen. My, my computer died yesterday. And I had worked on my sermon and got it all just right. All the T's crossed and the I's dotted. And I reached over to uh, run my copy off of my computer on my printer. And it said that uh, I don't work anymore. I don't work here anymore. <laughs> my, my computer screen had gone black. And I could not revive it. I couldn't regenerate it. I couldn't save it. I couldn't do anything with it. So I ran up here and got the computer out of my office here, took it back, hooked it up. And then my computer says, your, your printer don't talk my language. I don't understand what he's saying. So I couldn't, I couldn't run a copy of So I stuck a thumb drive in my computer and I downloaded it onto a thumb drive. Then I ran up here last night and ran off copies on the computer next door. Lo and behold, my sermon is two pages, <laughs> front and back. When I stuck the thumb drive in, my computer says, I don't understand that. What are you doing? And I said, print. So it printed it, but it printed it on two separate sheets of paper. I said, that's not going to do. Here's what I need to do. I'll run one back through it again and get the back side. So I did. It took me about four tries. And when I tried, guess what? It painted both of them on the same side about three times until I finally got it right. Guess which one I brought to the pulpit? <laughs> now you understand the night I had and the morning that I had. So guess what? There you, go. you always do better, right? <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll give God that glory if it's even true. But uh, we're still going to go through 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You buckle down. We don't have a lot of time and there are a lot of verses there and there are a lot of things that I do want to cover. But starting out in verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle. Called. You know, the calling of God is in our hearts and in our lives and in our minds. And none of us are brought to a saving faith of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen. I give a call to every man, woman, boy, and girl uh, in this uh, room from behind this pulpit. That is the general call, but the effectual call is when God reaches in to your heart, illuminates your mind, regenerates, and draws you to Himself. And that can be to salvation, or it can be to apostleship, or music ministry, or pastoral, or like I was for 25 years, the chaplain at the prison on Highway 15. But it is the Holy Spirit of God, God working in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, that draw us to Himself and into whatever ministry it is that God has uh, purposed and planned for our lives. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, not by my will. It says in First John chapter one, "I'm uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, for Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of the world. And the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He came into His own; His own received Him not. But to as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. And you see, it's that will of God." 
that draws us, illuminates, regenerates, saves, and has His will in our lives through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified, set apart. There are two types of sanctification, positional, practical. Positional is when God sets us apart for His glory and His honor. That is called salvation, by the way. When God illuminates, regenerates, wakes you up, convicts you of your sins to the point that you're willing to bend the knee and bow the head and surrender your heart and your life, everything that you are to everything that He is. You receive Him not as Savior, but you receive Him as Lord. And when you receive Him as Lord, Savior goes along with it. And we're set aside by God for God. That's positional. Practical sanctification is when we practice or we set ourselves apart for the glory and honor of God. Uh, what is it? Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 7 and 8, I think. For, uh, for I am the Lord thy God which do sanctify thee. Sanctify yourselves therefore. And you say, what? Wait a minute now. You just said you are the Lord that sanctifies me. But now you're calling me to sanctify myself. Yes, that's exactly right. God moves in our hearts, our minds, our, our lives and draws us to Himself. Separates us from the world, from our sin and calls us His own. We're born into the family of God. And because we're born into the family of God and God is born in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, now we have the ability to set ourselves apart for the glory and honor of God. And that is called practicing or practical sanctification. It goes on to say this, that um, under the church of God which are in Corinth, to them that are sanctified, set apart in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, or of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now boy, I, I can spend the rest of our 20-25 minutes on just the doctrine of grace. Grace, grace, grace. Greater than all of my sin. Grace that is greater than all of my sin. No matter, and you know who I was and where I came from and what God did in my heart and in my life. And to think that God has the grace to overlook. No, not to overlook. God never overlooks sin. I want you to realize that. But God allowed His Son to come in my stead and to pay my price for my sin by going to the cross and shedding His blood for me, that by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that I might be born into a new family, the family of God. Grace be unto you, and peace, the peace of God. Now you can't have the peace of God in your life until first you have peace with God. Until the enmity, until the war, until the battle between us and our, our wretchedness, our sinfulness, our wickedness. The war between heaven and earth, between us and God is settled. Well, how do you do that? By what I just mentioned, by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now we have peace with God. And because we have peace with God, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of us. Old things pass away. All things are new. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. And along with that love, the peace of God. Not just peace with God, but peace of God passes all understanding. How in the world could a wretch like me know a God like that? It brings peace to my heart and peace 
to my life. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given. The grace of God which was given me. On behalf of Christ. See, I didn't deserve it. He did. The only reason I got it was because of what He did. He went to the cross, shed His blood, and died for a wretch like me that I might be able to set myself apart from the things of the flesh and the things of the world and live a life that brings glory and honor to Him. That in everything, You're enriched by Him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit that God endued us with now enables us. It is the empowerment of God in our lives to not only uh, by grace receive Him as, as Savior, But now the power of God through the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us that empowers us to surrender our lives to His Lordship and to live a life that brings glory and honor not to ourselves but to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm encouraging our brother and his wife and his family and everybody else in this room to do. To live the life that God has called us to live and to go with grace and peace and love and mercy and the power of God and to be whatever it is, wherever it is that God wants you to be, to be. Do it with every ounce, every inch, every fiber of your being. To be the man, the woman, the boy, the girl, the Christian that God has created us to be. Verse 8, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. For I am crucified with Christ. You remember that verse? That's in Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 16 and goes all the way through chapter 3 and verse 2 or 3. Boy, that whole thought of uh, us not being saved by our works. Knowing that a man is justified by the works of the... uh, Not by the works of the flesh, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So we are justified by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And not only am I saved, justified by the finished work of Christ on the cross, but I'm kept saved. Chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the hearing of faith or by the works of the law? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? In other words, if you got saved by the hearing of faith, did you, you began in the Spirit, are you now kept perfect by the works of the flesh? Do you keep yourself saved by being good when you didn't have to be good to get saved? But that it was all work of God in your heart 
and in your mind, illuminating, regenerating, drawing, and saving you. And it says again, who shall confirm you to the end, who shall keep you, watch over, protect you to the end, that you may be blameless when in the day of our Lord. What is the day of our Lord? That's the day of judgment. When God is going to show up and we're going to stand before Him at the Bema seat and give an account of our lives. You know what we'll say? Only by the blood. For I am crucified with Christ. Had no idea you was going to sing that this morning, brother, but it sure does blend well, doesn't it? For I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives His life in and through me. Where, what, what about me? Oh, I, I'm still alive. For I'm crucified, but I'm still alive, surrendering to the Lordship of God, living on the inside of me, that I might approach that throne one day. By the blood of Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 9, God is faithful by whom ye were called under the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now there is that effectual calling. You see, I'm giving a general call to every man within my earshot. Man, woman, boy, or girl. But it is the Holy Spirit of God that has the effectual call that doesn't just reach the ear, but reaches on the inside of the human being, deep into their heart. And the things that I plan in your mind, God can take that from your mind 18 inches down into your heart and illuminate and regenerate and draw and save. God has His will and His way in our lives. Now I beseech you, brother. And I want, to, I want to rest here for a minute in verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the name above all names, I beseech you. You know what that means? Paul is saying, I do not command you. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ and I have the authority by God to command you. But I know that this is too important for me to be able to command you to do this. I beseech thee, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Wow. That's tough. You know why? Because we're human beings. Because we differ in so many areas of our life. We differ in our personalities. Some are bubbly and some are sour. Amen. We differ in our statues. Some are thick, some are thin. We, we differ in our understanding of everything. Important things as well as unimportant things. What we should eat, our diet, how we should live, where we should go, what we should watch, what we should... What we should listen to. What radio stations and music do we allow and, and follow after? And certainly when it comes to the doctrines, the most important thing in our lives is, first of all, the person, or should I say the persons of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But of course, one of the major things in our life is 
the Word of God. Jesus Christ is the living Word. This is the written Word. You can't separate those two things because it was the Holy Spirit that was breathed out of the mouth of God into the hearts of, of what is it, 40 different men wrote 66 different books over a 1,500 year period of time. Three different continents. Three different languages. There's no other book on the planet that can boast what this book is. It is the Word of God. And if it's the Word of God, if it's, if it's inspired, plenary inspiration, that God breathed it into the minds, into the hearts, into the lives of these men, and that it was so God flowing through them that every jot, every tittle that was written down in between the covers of our Bible is literally the Word of God. And I can trust it all. And it's the Holy Spirit of God that breathed into the minds and the hearts of those men that inked that on the papers that's living on the inside of me or you today. If you are a Christian, the Bible says, He that hath not the Spirit of God is none of His. If you don't have the Holy Spirit that wrote that book living on the inside of you, the Bible says that you are none of His. You must be born again. Regeneration leads to salvation. Salvation leads to indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And they happen in the twinkling of an eye. It's amazing to me how many people can have God living in them and be of different opinions about the Word of God. Have different ideas about what it teaches, why it teaches it. But to me, it's very simple. It's all about Him and not about us. And any time you make it about us, you're robbing God of His glory. It says in verse 10 again, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you. You see, the title of my message this morning, had I still had it on paper, was Vision... Or division. You're either going to have the same vision, have the same mind, have the same heart, have the same love, have the same Holy Spirit and the same Word of God dwelling richly in us and we are pulling in the same direction in unity. A united body of Christ. Anytime the body is divided against itself, guess what happens? It cannibalizes itself. It destroys itself. God knows that. Paul knew that when he inked these words by the grace of God. That you all speak the same thing. What should we speak? We should speak the, the truths of the Word of God. And we should not let anything get in the way of doing that. It doesn't matter what the cost. Though it cost me my life, yet shall I follow Him. I'll live my life for the glory and honor of God and not for the glory and honor of men. I'll live my life as though I'm on a stage before a one-man audience. And if anybody else is listening, wonderful. And I hope that they hear and that they receive and that they surrender their lives to the Lordship of God and not the Lordship of self and not the Lordship of the world. But that we all have the same mind in Christ. 
Let this mind, Philippians, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. And now we're not supposed to have the mind that says we are in the form of God, that I'm just a little anointed one, that I'm just a little God. Now Christian means little anointed one. I understand that. That Christ, yen, Christ anointed. Yen, little. So little anointed one is literally what Christian means. But the mind of Christ is not the mind that Christ had who being in the form of God. I'm not in the form of God. I'm being conformed to the image of God. But I'm not God. But let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but took upon Himself the form of a servant. Do you understand? That is the mind of Christ that we should have. That we should all have. And if we all have that, then we will be pulling together. Not for our glory or for what I think or for what he thinks or for what she thinks or for what that denomination stands for. This and that. As long as it's the Word of God, you see. And it's got to be the Word of God or we will stand against it. But if we as the body of Christ here at Lake St. John have the same heart and the same mind doctrinally as the Word of God, then the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. You do understand that the devil hates our guts. That he wants to destroy you and your home and your family and your children. He wants to destroy me. I have a huge target. Bullseye. On the back of my head. Not on the back of my shirt. But on the back of my head. He messes with my mind constantly. And it's an absolute, persistent, consistent war. Just to try to keep my mind right. You understand that. If you're living your life for the glory and honor of God. If you are. If you're on the front lines. If you're doing battle. The spiritual warfare that the Bible speaks about. And you put yourself in the mix. Then they're coming for you. You can bet on it. And we need to have our hearts and our minds right concerning the doctrinal issues of the Word of God. Now I beseech you, brethren, I beg you, I don't command you, I plead with you, is what that word beseech means. I I beg you that you, brethren, be of the same mind by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak the same thing. That there be no divisions, isms, schisms, between you, among you, that but that by that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, when you're talking about having the same mind of Christ, we're talking about being we're talking about being a servant. We're talking about being submissive to the authority of God's word. And to the places and per- listen, I'm I'm under authority to a lot of people, the sheriff and you know all the people that are are in positions of authority, and we need to bring ourselves under first of all submission to the will of God, the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, the authorities that God has placed over us in and out of the church, and surrender our lives to His lordship. That you be joined together in the same mind. Oh, and in the same judgment. Now when we're talking about judgment, people say, oh, judge not lest ye be judged. That's not what the Bible says. Know ye not that you shall judge angels one day? How much more the things of this earth? 
especially within the confines of the house of God. God has given us not, not the permission to judge, but the mandate that we are to look into the Word of God and we are to hold each other. I want you to hold my feet to this fire. And I'm called by God to hold your feet to this fire. And as we hold people up to the light of God's Word and we look at them through it, then we can come together with them, not for judgment, not for uh, uh, harshness or meanness, but out of love to restore to fellowship brothers and sisters in Christ that have gone astray. And we don't know that they've gone astray unless you hold them up to the Word of God and judge righteous judgment. Not my judgment, not what you think, not what they think, but what God says. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. You know what contentions are? Those are those isms and schisms. That's when you got five or six in a clique here, ten or twelve in a clique there, fifteen or twenty in a in a group over there, and they're all whispering about each other's groups and what it is they think and what it is that they're doing and why they did it and why aren't they doing what we do and all of those things, my friend. That's why we should all come together and love one another in the Spirit of Christ, and be of one mind, pulling in the same direction. It says, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I piously am of Christ. Well, let me ask you something, sir. Let me ask you something, ma'am. Is Christ divided? You that say you're not following men, you're not following Paul or Peter or Cephas or whoever the flavor of the month might be. You who say you're following Christ, is Christ divided? No, He's not. As a matter of fact, He has a singleness of heart and mind. And that is that I have come to do the will of my Father. And nothing in this world is going to stand in my way. I will do what God has called me to do or I will die. Trying. That's the heart. That's the desire that every Christian should have. Whether I do it here or whether God moves me from here to Bangkok, Thailand. I don't care. I'll go where I'm sent. I'll stay where I'm put. And I'll give what I've got until I die. My friend, that is what each and every one of us are called to do. Paul says in verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. I baptized, oh yeah, I remember, I baptized Stephanus' family as well, but I, I don't know whether I baptized anybody other than just those few. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Do you understand? It is the preaching of the cross that is the dunamis, the dynamite, the power of God to, to the saving of the soul. You're not saved by water baptism. The water of Faraday, Louisiana can't wash your clothes, much less your sins. It says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. But look at this. 
But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of, uh, of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath, God, uh, hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that the wisdom of the world, God by wisdom knew not, the world knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You remember what he said in verse 14? I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you. God didn't send me to baptize. Why? God sent me to preach the gospel. Why? Because verse 21, God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. How do they come to faith? By the preaching of the Word of God. The Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder both soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is the Word of God that quickens, that illuminates, that regenerates, that draws and saves. It's not water baptism. It's not church affiliation or denominationalism. It is the power of the blood of Christ through the cross of Christ, through the preaching of the Word of God. That is the only thing that changes our destination from hell to heaven. For the Jews require a sign. What was the sign that was sent to the Jews? 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says that it was, it was uh, tongues. Tongues are for a sign. Not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Who was it that believed not? It was, the, it was the Jews that believed not. We'll not have this man to rule over us. Crucify him! Is what he was screamed. And yet the Gentiles were coming to him hand over fist. Tongues are for a sign. Not to them that believe. It wasn't given to the Gentiles to believe. You see all of these Gentile churches around America today groping for you know the sign gifts that have passed away. Because we walk not by signs anymore. We walk not by sight. We walk by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. But the sign gifts were to the Jews. You see any Jews in here? We don't need tongues then. Because signs were given for the Jews. For the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Ooh, it's after 12. But we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block. And under the Greeks it's foolishness. But under them that are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. See your calling brethren. How that not many wise men after the flesh. Not many mighty. Not many noble. They're not called. Well certainly we're supposed to call everybody. Yes but few are chosen. There's the general call to everybody. But you have the effectual call of the Holy Spirit. Reaching not into the mind but into the heart through illumination and regeneration, waking people up and drawing them to Himself. And those are few when it comes to those that are of the flesh. Verse 27, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, yea, God hath chosen even the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Well, 
Pat me on the back. I chose God. I did good. You rejected Him. You go to hell. I go to heaven. Sir, you have absolutely no way. You can't even reach your back with that. Salvation is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in Him, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Verse 30 says, But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Redeemed. How I love to proclaim it. You know what redemption is. It's being purchased, being bought back. When I was a little boy, we used to load up in the back of the truck, me and my three sisters, and Daddy would drive down the country roads, and we'd jump out of the truck and walk the ditches. And as we walked the ditches, we would find the Coke bottles laying in the ditches. Some of them were buried in mud and just the uh, end of them sticking up so you would know that they were there. And you would have to pull them out and wash them off and dust them off. And we'd put them in those old wooden coat crates. And we'd take them to Miss Claudine Watts out in the uh, country at a little country store. And she'd give us a nickel for every one of them Coke bottles. Amen. That's how me and my sisters made our, our fair money every October. And uh, we'd get to go to the fair. But on the bottom of those bottles, you know what it said. It was raised in, in glass. It wasn't written on there in ink. It was written there in blood, amen? And it was raised glass on the bottom of that Coke bottle. It said redeemable. That means that that bottle had a value to it. That it would be purchased back. And the Bible says that we have been redeemed. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, it says of all of the peoples of the earth, red, yellow, black, and white, every kindred, every tongue, that God hath redeemed out of. God has redeemed out of every kindred, tongue, and nation. Now, I'm sure that we found a lot of Coke bottles down in those ditches. But I have no doubt that we didn't find them all. There were some that were left behind. And just as God redeemed us out of every kindred, tongue, and nation, that out of means there are some that are left behind. I don't know who they are, neither do you. So I'm going to preach the gospel to every creature under heaven. Every opportunity that I have, I'm going to share the love of Christ in their lives. And then in verse 31, again, it says this, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Not in my preaching. Not in your hearing. Not in your faith. But in the faith that is a gift of God. We glory in what God does in and through us. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You for Your love and Your mercy. Thank You again for this opportunity to be here in Your house with Your people. Oh, how we ask You, God. Have mercy. Move. Move in a way that only you can. We can't change hearts. We can't change destinies. We can't change destinations. God, only you have the power to save. 
Forgive us for our sins. Strengthen us where we're weak. Help us, God, to be faithful to you in what you've called us to do and to trust you with all of the rest. We'll give you the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen.